Chad, where you been, Ryan, man? Rhino, I've been I've been here all along. I've been waiting to hear from you. I am so ready for another episode of the Friendly Confidence. I'm always ready and waiting for you, Chad. You know that. And I'm excited for this episode because I'm telling you, I have not been more excited for a guest to come on this show than I am for this one. We have and, and hold on. I was gonna say, hold on. I wanted you to tease it out, but you 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 let the cat out of the bag. Oh, Sarah Spain, the commissioner. ESPN, national, nationwide, and also quite quite the party girl in Chicago, as, as we found out in the interview. Yeah, we certainly did, and she's got a lot of great things that she's going to be talking about with us. And uh, you can find Sarah at Sarah Spain on Twitter, the host of Spain & Company on ESPN Radio from 6 to 9 Eastern. She's also an Around the Horn, highly questionable. She's a contributor to Dan Levitard. I mean, and seriously. ESPNW. She's a little bit bigger deal than we are. There's so much to talk about on this episode. I mean, what what a what a big week. I mean, the the Craig Kimbrell era has begun. The the Advert, which I, I love that name, the Advert era has potentially begun. Double A the future. Double A era has begun. Um, there's a lot of negatives to talk about, but a lot of positives as well. I mean, this is there's so much going on. Um, and, and, and at the midway point, you know, this, this Cubs team is leading the central. We'll dive into that as well. Well, let's get this podcast started before your softball game. So the friendly confines starts right now. So let's dive into the first inning and Craig Kimbrell has finally arrived for the Cubs after spending some time in the minor leagues. Now he is officially with the big league club, Chad. And, man, he is uh, already making an impression on this bullpen and really helping out where the Cubs uh, needed help the most, to say the least. But is this the, uh, I guess, the package that this team needs overall, or are they still needing pieces to move forward? Well, right now, I still feel like that Kimbrell is going to be such a huge and large part of what this team is all about. They have that shutdown closer, a closer that they have needed to win the World Series back in 2016 when they had Chapman, then they had Wade Davis. Certainly did not have that opportunity last year with everybody getting hurt. And since Brandon Morrow has barely pitched for this organization, this was a move that needed to be made. And finally, the Cubs waited long enough and got their man. uh, And he felt the same way that this was a team he wanted to pitch for as well. And, man, they don't get any better than Craig Kimbrell right now, who's arguably the best closer in baseball, if nothing less, in the National League. Um, Because right now the Cubs need that shutdown closer to really close out these games when things are getting close. And uh, we're going to see a lot more from him as the year goes on. Yeah, you know, he brings such an incredible dynamic in that – his the velocity there later in the game he just overpowers people and and Stropy just doesn't have that what I'm most excited about is is the fact that okay is if we can get six innings out of our starters which you know you want seven but if you can get six innings out of your starters now you have you've got Steve uh, Cisak you've got Kinsler you got Strope you've got you've got a potpourri of different options that could get it to the ninth inning. And now there's not so much, so much pressure. I mean, there has to be so much more confidence in this Cubs team, get a lead and know that you've got a guy that's going to come in there and shut the door. Um, And he has a track record of shutting the door. So what, what I believe this does is it takes a lot of pressure off the team. I I said, you know, a a few episodes ago, let's not even talk about Morrow because, you know, I don't think we're going to see him in the, in, uh, in a Cubs jersey again, if that if he comes back and surprises me, oh, that's just a cherry on top. But him coming back or him coming into this lineup 
um, the signing of the year in, in Major League Baseball as far as I'm concerned. Yep, absolutely. So we move on to the second inning now. And we are getting closer to the All-Star break. The All-Star game will take place July 9th at Progressive Field in Cleveland this year. And uh, it has already been announced that two Cubbies will be starting at their respective positions. And that is no surprise that it'll be Wilson Contreras and Javi Baez, who both got the popular vote from the fans. Um, Obviously well-deserved, in my opinion, Wilson Contreras right now is probably the best catcher in baseball. Um, I know everybody wants to maybe throw out the Yachty Molinas or whomever <laughs> that it could be, but Wilson Contreras right now is by far the best catcher in baseball, hands down. Um, I mean, there, there is at a position especially that is not um, a position where there's a lot of offensive firepower anymore. You know, you don't see the, the players like we did back in the day when like a Johnny Bench would be playing or – you know, of that sort of ilk, a Gary Carter, a Mike Piazza, the, that, the, the position has been downgraded so much that it's really just become more of a defensive position for this baseball team. And it is so refreshing to see a guy like Wilson, who not only offensively is phenomenal, but defensively is arguably the best catcher in baseball as well, has a cannon for an arm and the fact that he will get down into that straddle position and catch day in and day out with very little days off. So I'm excited about the fact that Wilson Contreras is going to be starting for the Cubs. And then as far as Javi goes, I mean, listen, we, we have seen time and time again what this guy is capable of doing. Last year played the majority of the season at second base. I'm glad that the Cubs have officially moved him to shortstop. Um, such a well-deserved opportunity for Javi to start at shortstop for this team and, and make a, a real big impact once again. Uh, as he has all season, because again, he is a finalist as of now going to the second half for the MVP award as well. So um, it'll be great to see those two, uh, you know, hopefully making an impact for the national league uh, on July 9th in the, um, in the all-star game. Yeah. You know, for me, it's, it's, this is the coming out party for Javi Baez. You know, he, 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 he showed everybody last year what he was capable of. He obviously took over shortstop towards the end of last year. Didn't really have a true position because he was so versatile last year when he even came to the All-Star vote. So the fact that he came in and was, was listed as the shortstop, um, this, is, this is his time to shine. This is, I think, the first of many. I think he's going to be a, um, a permanent uh, a, a starter in the National League um, because he is the most exciting player, I think, in Major League Baseball. Wilson Contreras has been on such a, an incredible run. You know, when I look at it, and I just want to really look at the, the National League, I, I feel like, the, you know, the voters really got this right. I, I know that it was kind of funny that the, the Cubs were carrying seven, seven players onto the final ballot. You know, that just shows the power of the Cubs brand, but it also shows as we got to this new interesting voting system, you know, down to five, three finalists, rather, um, that, that, that they got it right. It, it, it is interesting um, uh, that only one Dodger, though, uh, the, the most deserving Dodger, uh, Cody Bellinger, was selected. But it's interesting uh, that the, I think the best team in baseball is only only has one representative because they've got a kind of a murderer's row of talent there. Um, but there's not another Cub that I would put into this lineup, I think. Um, Nolan Arenado, especially with the, the inflated stats he has in Colorado, he's, he's outshone. His defense is, is absolutely on par with what Chris Bryant has done. I um, would have loved to see Rizzo uh, uh, represent, but I got to tell you, Rizzo's got to stop starting slow. 
um, if he's going to want to um, open some eyes. But I think I think the voters got this right. And uh, I think this is this is kind of a coronation of the future of Javi Baez shortstop. Yeah, I agree with you. And I also think there is going to be that opportunity, like you said, for a Rizzo or a Bryant to be able to make this team as a reserve. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of have to see how that all shakes down. Because yeah. as you mentioned before, even though Cody Bellinger is the only starter for the Dodgers, uh, you know as well as I do that the Dodgers are going to be well represented on that National League roster, especially with Dave Roberts being the manager of the team. Uh, he will certainly pick a lot of his guys to come in and represent. But just from the starters, I feel like the voters, I, I, I'm not too dismayed. Um, you know, we are going to be, you know, talking about, uh, you know, kind of the black hole of our lineup, the second base. And I kept telling Cubs fans, if, if you don't want to be depressed this week, do not look at the finalist on the American League at second base, because two former players for the Cubs in their system, DJ LeMay, LeMayhew and Tommy LaStella, were, were, were top three finalists. And one of them yeah. is now starting at second base in both the National League and the American League. Imagine. And he's and he's he's going to be in the top five in the American League if, if all holds true in MVP voting based upon war and where he is. Don't get depressed, but my goodness, if we had TJ LeMahieu, but we don't. We don't have a lot of guys. Um, that, that could be a story for another day. Third inning now, and Chad, one of the big exciting parts for this Cubs rotation now is Adbert Alzale, the uh, fourth-ranked prospect in the farm system, is now a part of the big league club and uh, so far so good. He's looked pretty solid um, in the outings that he has put out there for the Cubbies. And it gives Joe Madden probably a nice situation to be in because they're obviously a little banged up with Kyle Hendricks still on the shelf. And of course, Jose Quintana hasn't been pitching that great. So Joe has maybe toyed with the idea of saying, Hey, why don't we make this a six man rotation? He's done that in the past. Maybe this is another opportunity to do that for the future. Alzale is obviously a young, striking, really, really upbeat kid who's excited to be with the team, provides a little bit of a spark for this club alongside Craig Kimbrell now. And uh, I kind of like the idea of putting him and leaving him in the rotation and kind of pushing forward once Hendricks comes back with that potential of a six-man rotation, giving guys like a John Lester or a Cole Hamels an extra day off of rest so they can, uh, you know, be a little more... Uh, you know, be stronger for that next start that they have uh, coming up through the line. So for me, I'm hoping Madden continues this trend of uh, extending the rotation, maybe one more pitcher. Yeah, I, you know, what I appreciate about, about this is it just has flexibility. We talked about earlier about what it means now, you know, if we can just get a quality start, get get five, maybe six innings by any of the starting pitching, we have the bullpen now with, with, with Kimbrell up. The problem with Adbert, and there's not a lot of problems with Adbert, is is his durability. You know, he hasn't so far, as of this recording, has not gone, uh, you know, five innings. Um, but he's been pretty lights out when he's gone. But between him and Tyler Chatwood, who's, you know, who's being is, is, is pitching so off the charts, incredible, um, we have options now. And that, I think that's the beautiful thing about it. So it's a nice thing to have. I don't see him as, as taking a spot in the rotation this year. Um, I see him being a... I see him uh, being a guy that if some that would be these um, is he's going to stretch out future because John Le almost who knows how much money if the Cubs are going to throw any money at him when his contract is up at the end of this year he's out of options in terms of a team option or his own option um, so those 
love about this kid, just 24 years old, is what I'm hearing from, from Joe Madden, which is this is a guy that comes into the dugout, um, takes meticulous notes, is just a consummate professional, um, a student of the game. Um, he is up there and he is studying things so intricately. I, and, and if he can catch on, my goodness, what would it be like to have a homegrown talent, pitching talent, finally with Theo and Jed? I mean, it's long overdue. Well, I agree with you on that. And I think that this is something where uh, this is maybe an area that is lacking in the farm system. We're growing that homegrown pitching talent. We haven't seen that a lot uh, so far during the Epstein Hoyer era. So to your point, that that's a nice thing that uh, they can have a feather in their cap for. Um, all right. So we move on now to the fourth inning and we will talk a little bit about Addie Russell, who uh, has been so up and down, uh, mostly down for the most part, hitting uh, just on over 240 so far for the year. Um, you know, has a few home runs, a few RBIs, but his his fielding has not been great with that being said. And you got a guy in David Bodie who has just been performing so much better. I, I am still just sometimes not understanding why Addie Russell is in the lineup on a regular basis. And I think it has fans frustrated. I think it has the media questioning why this is happening. And, um, you know, I, I don't think Addison Russell has done a good job on his part to earn a spot to play regularly on this team. I understand that, you know, Daniel Descalso is obviously not playing well at all. You can't put him in the lineup uh, as well. But um, when you got a guy like David Bodie who has shown he can play second base, I'm not quite sure why Joe hasn't allowed him to be the everyday second baseman. It makes sense to me. It, it really does. And, and, and I, this isn't the best analogy, but this isn't, you know, this isn't literally, you can't bury a kid on the bench because he's not playing well and throw him in right field for the last inning, just to, so he can get, you know, get an inning in. This is major league baseball and, and whether it's Daniel Descalso or if it's Addison Russell, who, 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 both of them equally on the Mendoza line, you can, um, you got to look at what, to see if he could blossom back into the player he once was because either we're going to stay with him and he's going to become the everyday starting second baseman because we've seen his stats. He's had the ability um, when healthy to actually be an all-star caliber player, or we are going to get him to the point where he is desirable enough where he's a, a target to move. Um, at this point, I don't have a lot of faith that that's going to happen. I think they're, they're, that we're looking at the potential of a fire sale and somebody will take a flyer on him. Somebody will, um, you know, make a trade and, and, and really low on Addison Russell and give him a new, you know, new surroundings. My hope is that he could actually turn it around because uh, he probably is going to be our best uh our best option. This is the first time in his entire career, Ryan, that he's not played every single day and has not been the man. And the man is typically the shortstop on every baseball field. So, so I hear you. And what do we, what, you know, halfway mark of the season are in first place in their division. And your goal is for everybody to be healthy. And you also want to give people enough reps so they can, uh, uh, flourish in some way shape or form and, and and contribute to the team right now addison is not contributing to the team and i wonder how much of that is mental yeah i, I think mental design. has a big part of this and i know he's you know trying to block out the early season uh, issues that he had but uh for my money um yes what, what he was once the man but he has uh, fallen so far down 
um, that I, I don't know if it's worth it at this point. The, the juice may not be worth the squeeze, so to speak, uh, for this team. So we move on to the fifth inning now. And, you know, Chad, the beginning of the year, everybody was talking about, and understandably so, based on last year's uh, standings, that the NL Central could have arguably been the best division in baseball, let alone the National League. Um, the Cubs right now uh, holding those slim leads in first place. But uh, if the playoffs were to start today, uh, the Cubs right now would be the uh, team with the worst division record of the three division winners. Again, if the playoffs started today. Um, thankfully the Brewers are playing at the same pace the Cubs are playing at right now, Chad, because it seems like every time the Cubs lose, the Brewers lose or vice versa, the Cubs win, the Brewers win. And when the, the team in last place here, here's, I think the biggest telling sign, the, the, the team in last place in the NL central, the Cincinnati Reds are a mere six and a half games out of first place right now. Whereas the other teams in the national league, and I understand the Reds have a better record, um, the Marlins are 16 games out of first place and the Giants are 19 and a half games out of first place um, behind the Braves and the Dodgers respectively. So with that being said, I am sitting here now wondering to myself, is the NL Central as cracked up and as deep as we thought it was going into the year? I think when we initially uh, previewed this season, we certainly thought the Cubs and the Cardinals and the Brewers would be the three teams that were going to mix it up in the NL Central. But I thought overwhelmingly these were three of the best teams in baseball, let alone the national league. And then you throw in the Cincinnati reds who made a lot of big moves in the off season. Hasn't unfortunately panned out for them. Um, and the pirates of course are kind of just waddling down that mediocre street that, you know, they seem to be going on for the last couple of years. Um, I, maybe it's safe to say at this point that the NL central is not as strong as we once thought it was for this season so far in the first half. Well, I mean, you know, if you if the season ended today, two National League Central teams are making the playoffs. So, I mean, I, I think that speaks to the strength of of that uh, of that division. I mean, the, the Brewers are are in the games out of the wild card. So, um, right now, if the season ended today, it'd be the the you know division leaders, the Dodgers, the Braves, the Cubs, and then it'd be Milwaukee and, and Philadelphia um, with with Colorado chomping you know at, at their heels. So. Right there, you've got a, a representation from every single division. The very next team up, the, the, the seventh team, the third team, is, is a central. The numbers and the statistics show this is still a, a tough team, and, and there's a lot of uh, beating up on each other going on right now. What I found to be really interesting, um, and this was on, on one of the, uh, the game broadcasts, it was noted that the Cubs are going to be playing the Pirates for most, you know, many games going through the, the, the last half of the season. So if you want to focus on one, one team to focus on is how the Cubs uh, take on the Pirates. You know, we don't have um, the, the ascension of a team like the Dodgers, and we don't have a team, you know, who's everybody uh, and, 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 and knocking. I would probably say right now the National League West is probably my um, most impressive uh, team right now because top to bottom, so they've got a handful of teams that are over 500. They've got, uh, um, in fact, they've got four teams 500, whereas in Central, three teams that are over 500. Would it be in uh, the National League East and try to uh, compete there? Only two games, two teams over 500, and those struggling Marlins who all they're trying to do is is just do what the Cubs did for most of this decade, which was amass first-round picks. By stinking. Yep. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we move on now to the sixth inning. What's that? No, I was going to say, I just think that the Central is a bit of a dogfight. And the numbers show right now, it's still one of the tough divisions. It's not like the other other divisions are running away with the wild card. All right, we'll move on to the sixth inning now. And, um, we, you know, this question is certainly asked a lot. Uh, it's certainly something we pose to our seventh inning stretch guest, Sarah Spain, as well from ESPN. Um, but do the Cubs have enough right now as they go into the second half of the season? I mean, they now have Kimbrell, but offense has always been kind of a struggle for this team um, down the line, and, and th- especially during the second half of the season. Now, Jed Hoyer was interviewed on the score 670, and he did acknowledge the fact that they will certainly look outside for answers to their offensive inconsistencies. Um, so I guess the question is, does this team need more, Chad? I think they do. I think they're still lacking, and if they can get an everyday second baseman, kind of like what they had with Daniel Murphy down the stretch last year, uh, for me, that would be fantastic because I think second base is just the one area that they're lacking, um, especially if they can also get, uh, you know, a guy who can hit some more home runs in the outfield. I thought, that, you know, I think they thought maybe Carlos Gonzalez would be that guy. It hasn't panned out so far. But, you know, as of now, I think those are the two areas that this team is certainly lacking in. And I think if they can get something down the stretch, I know it's not going to be easy. Um, that will obviously increase their, this team's chances of winning a World Series championship. I mean, you, you've got, I mean, if Zobris comes back, that's a guy that potentially could be that presence you, you want at second base. I, I think Bodie Descalso and Addison Russell are second basemen. I don't see them going above and beyond because what do you do? You're going to have to basically, you're, you're, you know, the, the case could be made that you could cut Descalso and just let him go because it's a million-dollar option next year and just say this did not work. The Cubs have got to be very close. Um, because they wanted that presence on a professional hitter, a guy, an on-base machine. Um, the outfield, Jason Hayward is on track to have one of the greatest years he's ever had as a Major League Baseball player, and without a doubt, the best year he's had as a Chicago Cub. Um, Kyle Schwarber is not going to be taken out of that lineup. He is going to be as close to an everyday left fielder and potentially our leadoff guy, which is, is very unique. We've had many any aura um, turning this around. So he's not so much player, uh, but I, I I think if we're going to see anything, we're going to see a left-handed uh, pitcher um, out of the out of the pen. I think that's that's a need they have right now. But from an offensive standpoint, they picked up Cargo. I think they picked him up as a veteran presence. I think he's just a guy that that will play good defense in the outfield, and uh, and you hope he can turn his bat around. <laughs> Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. And we've had a lot of great guests on this program, but I don't think, and I'm not just saying this because she's on the line. I really, (laughs) every time (laughs) (laughs) I have never really been more excited to have our next guest on. She's the host of Spain and company, which you can hear on ESPN radio. Nine Eastern. Of course you can catch her on around the horn also on highly questionable. And she's a contributor to the Dan Levitard show. It is the wonderful Sarah Spain. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us here on the Friendly Confines. I don't know if you lost a bet or not, but I'll take it. Thank you for coming on with us. Well, now now the only possibility is for me to greatly disappoint you with a setup like that. So let's hope that doesn't happen. 
Not a chance. I have no doubt. Well, and of course, for people that may not know, Sarah grew up in the Chicagoland area, still lives in Chicago, and she is one of the biggest Chicago Cub fans there is around. So it's it's great to talk some Cubs baseball with her as we uh, hear as we talk on the seventh inning stretch with Chad and Ryan. So, uh, Sarah, let's just jump right into this. Adbert Ozale, probably the uh, the new sensation on the north side for the Cubbies uh, in his first uh, appearance for scoreless innings for the Cubs. Had a really nice relief outing and now getting an opportunity to start for this team moving forward. Um, is this the kind of move that the Cubs kind of need with Hendricks now on the DL to maybe jumpstart this team a little bit going into the second half? Yeah, you forgot to mention Alzale also had 11 teen smiles in his first outing, <laughs> which is a stat that I will be keeping track of as he continues his major league career because I just love a dude that seems so happy for the opportunity. Um, yeah, you know, it's not just what he means for this team with the Hendricks injury and, you know, always wanting to get depth at the starting position. But the thing that I'm so excited about is that this has kind of seemed to be Theo Epstein and, and Jed Hoyer's weak spot was finding and growing, you know, homegrown farm pitching talent. They have been outstanding at finding pretty much everything else. And as far as pitching goes, that seems to be the thing that they've come up short on. So this could be, you know, either a turnaround for that trend or just a one-off. But either way, to have a guy um, that came up through their farm system uh, would be really exciting. And you can always, always use more arms in case of injury. And also just dudes that, you know, don't pitch the way you'd hope they do. And, you know, some of the guys that have been a little disappointing this year, you hope it's just a game or two, but, um, you know, you always want to have uh, other guys you can go to, especially young guys. Absolutely. Well, it's interesting. You talk about the farm system and uh, the, the Cubs obviously had to get a certain pitcher uh, from the White Sox in order to do that. They had mm-hmm. to give up some very uh, talented uh, players in their farm system. So let's, let's go to the other side of this with uh, Sarah Spain. And you can find Sarah on Twitter at Sarah Spain. Um, Jose Quintana obviously has been, uh, someone that a lot of folks have uh, drawn ire with. with yeah. the Certainly uh, wasn't just that, talking about him. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the, way, the way that maybe he uh, certainly has been pitching the last uh, few weeks uh, did not look good in his last start at all against the Mets. Um, I mean, at this point, Sarah, I know it's too early to say, okay, you know, we made a mistake and, and we screwed up on this deal. But I don't think Cub fans are going to let go of this trade unless they see Jose Quintana really pull a 180 at this point for the rest of the year and moving forward. Well, I have to say that I, because of my radio schedule, I've only been to three Cubs games this year. And one of them was Saturday's Quintana disaster, where the highlight of the game was uh, watching weird baseball, where you get a position player pitching a one, two, three (laughs) inning in Caratini. So that tells you how terrible that game was and the timing of it, of course, right. We, we still are remembering Eloy Jimenez, uh, making the White Sox a very happy fan base against us. And and so to right after we still have that fresh in our minds, have his worst outing was really terrible timing for, for Quintana. And I think the fact that the fruits of the trade are right across town, even though a lot of Cubs fans don't really see the White Sox as a true rival, you know, not even being, you know, anywhere, you know, in the same league as them, um, both figuratively and, and literally. Right, <laughs> um, right. But I, that, that doesn't mean that seeing that guy across the way and watching the highlights and, and he, seeing headlines about him doesn't make it even tougher if Quintana doesn't, you know, play up to the standard that's expected of him. Now, I tend to be someone who skews positive. 
So I tend to feel like, oh, this is an aberration, right? Um, this is a guy who is pretty consistent, not going to be an ace, but going to give you a quality chance to win pretty much every time he's out there. So I'm hoping that this bad start is, is, is an aberration and, and it'll find his way back to that consistency. Cause like you said, we're going to consistently think about this trade whenever we see him perform poorly, but maybe also people need to accept that he was never really an ace. He was always a quality starter. Are, are you as shocked as I am when you are on? Well, I know you're probably shocked a lot when you're on Twitter because I shocked that I'm still on it is really yeah, the exactly. dominant feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, what I was getting at is the fact that you see and I'm sure you see it, too. The, the Cub fans on Cubs Twitter, which always cracks me up, the people that are are so angry about, you know, the Gliber Torres trade and the Jimenez trade and all these young prospects that the Cubs gave up to win a world championship in 2016. Yeah, it's almost like idiots. Right, right. It's almost like they, they would rather have these guys back, but give right. up the 2016 well, because, World Series. Because in their minds, they're rewriting it where the Cubs win without making that trade and they get to keep this, the, the, you know, the farm system as pristine as possible. Now, the Quintana trade. All right. If you want to argue about that one, you know, Quintana came on after the World Series and we don't know yet what Eloy Jimenez is going to be. But the point of building a great farm system is so that you do have pieces you can get rid of to get talent that helps you win right now. And it, it would be great to always have a, a really successful big league ball club and be able to consistently keep that farm system fresh. But that's really difficult to do. You don't usually get both. And so the occasional uh, prospect that you have to give up, and people are always going to remember those more than the good ones, right? Like you're always sure. going to be like, oh, well, you know, you're not going to reflect back on the trades where they gave away a guy who didn't end up being that great and got talent that worked for them right away. Um, and the Glaber Torres, I mean, yeah, of course you're going to be bummed about that, but are you giving back the World Series? Because there isn't a single move that they could make, even taking garbage-ass Araldis Chapman, which I right. hated watching, um, that I would say I would give it back for what, what happened. That was the best-case scenario. And even though last year didn't work out the way the team and the Cubs fans hoped, They've done exactly what they promised when Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer and them arrived. They said, we're going to be garbage. We're going to build up the farm system and we're going to be contenders every year. And it, as, as much as last year was a disappointment, the number of games they won, they were in contention. And, and, um, and then they won a, a World Series and people are already souring on Joe and everybody else. But I know uh, that's being a sports fan, I guess. We're talking with Sarah Spain of ESPN. And again, you can catch her 6 to 9 Eastern time on Spain and Company. Of course, she's a contributor on Around the Horn and, of course, on Highly Questionable. And don't forget, she writes for ESPNW. That's something else I wanted to make sure uh, is something that people is uh, available to them as well on the website on ESPN.com. Um, Sarah, I know that you've been uh, vocal about Addison Russell. We were talking about uh, uh, Roldis Chapman earlier and as it relates to domestic violence. And of course um, the Cubs are, have been in situations now twice where they have brought on a player that has been alleged of domestic violence. And now that Addison Russell has been playing for this team, it has obviously been a very uh, mixed bag of people's opinions and what the Cubs should do with them. Um, from your perspective, how should the Cubs handle this moving forward? And how do you think they have done so far of handling this situation with Addison Russell? 
Well, I'll, I'll start by just saying that Theo Epstein, I think, has handled it quite well. The best I've seen of a front office member in re regards to an issue like this, because he took an all-encompassing approach to addressing every aspect of the issue. The victims, community outreach, therapy and counseling for Addison. What a lengthy ordeal and, and, and work it is to actually get to the root cause of the problem and, and, and mature and, be, and, and, and fix it, right? Because a lot of people don't even understand the nuances of domestic violence. And it felt very clear that Theo Epstein had done his research and was not just, you know, uh, saying what he thought would make the media hordes go away. Uh, beyond that, though, I don't know that I can speak to the rest of what they've done um, beyond what appears to be the result so far, which is that Addison Russell doesn't seem to really get it right. He was asked about fans booing him and made some cliche comments about how he, he's helping the team win. They shouldn't boo him and that's on them. And then immediately turned around and gave that very robotic PR scripted answer the next day. Um, to me, he seems like someone who still has a lot more work to do. Now, in talking to experts, they say one and done policy is not beneficial to the abuser or the abused. It disincentivizes reporting. It doesn't allow help to be given to both parties. And so I'm trying to be more open minded about the ways in which professional teams handle these issues based on what the experts say, that it isn't as simple as just saying cut him and, and he never gets to play again if that doesn't serve him or the victims. Um, and it's not realistic. It's become clear that there's the teams, for the most part, are not going to get rid of talented players because of these incidents. So the most we can hope for is more transparency in how they're handling it. I think they've been pretty transparent. Uh, the question is, for many people, you know, with a player like Addison, whose numbers aren't what they used to be and who has so many issues, uh, why didn't they just cut him when they had the opportunity? And what they've asked of, of fans in terms of Araldis and now this is a lot. And um, the only positive silver lining I can find is that hopefully because he's on a team with a front office who seems to actually care about the details of, of domestic abuse and what, what it encompasses, maybe there's more of a chance that he'll, he'll actually um, change and not have recidivism. But that's me being my most positive self. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think that's well said. I mean, listen, like you said, there's no easy way to address this. Um, and, and I think that, as you said, to be transparent as possible is the best way to go and, and to make an informed decision moving forward. Um, that's, that's what everyone should be doing. And, and it's, you know, that we still have ways to go. I, I think that's safe to say at this point that we yeah. still have a ways to go in that we're talking with Sarah Spain of ESPN. So Sarah, I'll, I'll, uh, end with this, uh, in your opinion, what does this team still lack or need maybe, um, moving forward as we enter the second half so they can nail down a spot in the postseason and, and hopefully the division. Oh, my gosh. I wish I could channel my good friend who is the world's most cynical giant Cubs fan. He can tell you every stat, every historical <laughs> item, and he claims that he enjoys the games, but I'm always questioning it because he will send me, you know, message after message of the things that they're doing wrong and count the runners left in scoring position that were abandoned every time. And um, I would say consistency of starting pitching. Depth is a problem. Uh, taking advantage in key situations of sending, of sending runners home. Um, you know, situational hitting is huge that they need to improve upon. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Kimbrell can do. Uh, you know, I think that was obviously the biggest hole at the beginning of the season was, was that bullpen. How does that change with Kimbrell? Can Morrow get healthy enough to be just at least remotely effective and helpful? Um, and so that's it for me. I mean, I think 
you have to beat the bad teams because you're going to have enough of a challenge with the cards and the brewers and other, and, and, and the tough teams. So none of these, you know, playing down to their competition days. No, that's, that's, that's all valid points for sure. Sarah Spain with ESPN. You can catch her six to nine Eastern on Spain and company on ESPN radio. She's also a contributor on around the horn, highly questionable ESPNW Sarah. Thank you. Thank you so much for answering me on Twitter and <laughs> allowing me the opportunity to have you on. We would love to have you on again down the line if uh, your schedule permits. It would be great to have you back. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And, and I will throw one last thing at you here. Uh, so I am a Chicago native. I live in South Florida now. I know you come to South Florida quite a bit. I am friends with like the Ryan Cheverini crew when I come okay. to Chicago. You have such a fun crew as well that I see and you're always going out in town in the Chicago. The thing that always blows me away, and I've said this to Ryan and Jason Belanke as well, is how have the crews not combined? For That's a, a night great out point. The city? That is a great I, point. I have hung out with Belanke in other cities, like when he's working and, and we're both working around the SBs or Super Bowls or whatever. And I have spent time with Ryan Cheverini doing his show, but we have never combined forces. Uh, I fear there is uh, maybe not enough alcohol in the city for both. <laughs> I am, both I am throwing this out place. here. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just going to say, I'm throwing this out here. I come back a lot of times in the summertime or on Thanksgiving. I am throwing it out right. there. The next time I'm in town, maybe Let's we try can to make combine it happen. the forces. Yes. And we can make it happen. Yes. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> Sarah, thanks again for your time and, and look forward to catching up down the line. Yeah, thanks for having me. You got it. Well, our thanks to Sarah Spain, the commish from ESPN. So, so excited that she. So cool. So Yeah, cool. man. I mean, listen, it's not every day we get national sportscasters to come on with us. So that was pretty neat to uh, have. And this is also on. the first time um, that you've actually uh, tried to arrange a, a party posse with two of our different guests. Uh, three <laughs> of our three of our different guests. We now you got to oh, tell me who the yeah. other two are. Well, no, Belanke, uh, Chivarini, uh, and in uh, Spain, you wanted to get them all together to tear up the clubs in yes. Chicago. I thought that yes. was very, very, that was bold. It was a bold, slick move friend. on my part, right? Well, you know, I think, I, but that would, that, this Chicago wouldn't know what to do with it. They would, yeah. Yeah, Sarah had uh, mentioned uh, not enough alcohol for uh, Chicago yes. to consume in that spot. Well, Chad, when you it. fly into Chicago, you'll have to just come out with us too. See, that's how when you When you tell me that party's happening, um, I will be on the first plane. Perfect. Awesome stuff. Well, all right. So our thanks to Sarah. We hope to talk to her again. Uh, let's move on to the eighth inning now. Any uh, big, big uh, topic in baseball these days, Chad, is about the protective netting yeah. um, that encloses uh, part of the field behind home plate. Uh, we have seen, unfortunately, um, you know, multiple times where young children – have been struck by foul balls, causing them to have to go to a hospital, which has uh, made Major League Baseball and the teams start to rethink how they should have the netting in the ballpark and, and maybe increase the amount of netting that is around the diamond. Um, and, and I don't see why we wouldn't be doing this immediately. Um, as far as I'm concerned, one time when you're seeing a child getting hit by a baseball um, and, you know, people can sit there and say, well, they shouldn't be on their phones or whatever the case. It doesn't matter. Like these kids need to be protected. These people need to be protected. And I think Major League Baseball should do anything and everything they can for these teams to extend the netting out. And so fans are protected from any sort of foul balls. 
um, that, that may come their way. I understand foul balls are an important part of the game. People want to get them. But it's one thing if they foul it, popping up, popping it up, you can get those. But when you have a laser going 100 miles per hour right at your head or wherever, uh, that I'm not okay with. And I think that's where I think we need to rethink how the safety net is uh, going to be put into these baseball stadiums. I've got, I've got a lot of opinions on this. One is, very bluntly, it's, it's not going to fix it. Uh, I was at a game in 2008, 2009, can't remember. Ted Lilly hit a foul ball that went over the net and went underneath the overhang, hit a guy in the head. He never came out of a coma. That, what are we going to do? Are we going to put the net up 100 feet? Are we going to extend the net all the way up? And, and protect everything. Um, that's the challenge. No matter what the organ, I mean, all the teams in Major League Baseball made a choice and they extended the netting last offseason, um, dugout to dugout. And now we're seeing, well, after the dugout, now that's dangerous. And now, now you know, kids are getting hurt. The interesting thing about, about this, the reason this is happening, the reason this is a national story is because of the reaction and the coverage with that foul ball that Albert Almora Jr. hit. I know it, it started last year in the Yankees game, um, but Albert Almora, his reaction, I've said this before, there's not a player in baseball. Every player in baseball wants netting line to line. They want as much netting as possible because not one of them wants to be known as the person that, that kills someone. Nobody wants to be linked to that. And right now, Albert Almora is linked to that. So a couple issues here. Um, and I know, you know, it, we – we need to save all the lives. I get it. I'm not trying to be flippant with that. Um, but here's the problem. When you put netting all the way down the line, there's there's a couple issues. Station uh, uh, Stadiums are not uniform. And so there's some stadiums. So, so the Bartman game wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen now because you'd have netting all the way down. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I don't know. Any of those times you reach over and catch those foul balls, now it's going to be like a catcher play in some cases um, where they're right up against the net. The other issue is when you have netting all the way down the line and you're looking down the line through netting at that angle, you can't see. You literally cannot see if you're all the way down the line looking down a line of netting. So there has to hopefully there's some new netting technology out there that is see-through because it's going to impact a lot of things. And those are the money seats uh, for baseball. And they do like to dip their hat over there when the foul balls are coming in. So they haven't figured this out yet. The White Sox and the Nationals have taken the lead, um, saying they're going to extend it foul pole to foul pole. But Wrigley Field is not set up in a way where you can go foul pole to foul pole. And what are you going to do about those foul balls that are shot up into the upper deck really quickly and caught barehanded? Those could hit a kid in the head. So there's this is not a quick fix. This is not um, going to solve everything. Uh, but I know public sentiment says it has to happen, and I think we're going to see a lot more movement as more and more stadiums make this move. All right, so let's finish up with the ninth inning now. As we approach the All-Star break, and it is uh, coming close, um, I guess let's talk about the Cubs as where we see them right now as it relates to the 2019 season. Um, you know, this team is definitely off to a better start than they were in 2017. This team sounds like a, a lot like a team that was – kind of basically the same team as they were last year. Uh, kind of, you know, in that contention for first place, neck and neck with, uh, you know, the Brewers and, and the Cardinals and, and other teams in the division. Um, you know, the, the, the pitching now with having Kimbrell, with having Olzele, uh, you know, I think this could make a difference. And obviously getting Hendricks back is going to certainly um, be important too. Um, you know, this team for me, I, I usually feel like 
starts out has a really strong second half for some parts, but, you know, then kind of slowly dissipates at the end of the year. I think a lot just is going to depend on how fresh is this team going to be able to stay throughout the second half of the season? Because we saw how gassed they were last year, Chad, and it showed in the one-game playoff with Milwaukee and then in the wildcard game against Colorado to end the season. Um, if this team is to have any chance of advancing past the NLCS, uh, or excuse me, past the NLDS, uh, this team needs to stay fresh. And I still say that they need to continue to find ways to get extra bats in the lineup to produce for this team. Because if, if, if it's championship or bust, this team is not, in my opinion, fit for a World Series title. They, they are not better than the Yankees. They're not better than the Braves. I mean, we, we saw how this team performs against the Braves. They're definitely not better than the Dodgers. So as far as I'm concerned, if we're content with making the postseason, then great. But this team, in my opinion, is not ready to win a World Series just yet with the current team. I, you know, so a lot of things to address there, but I'm going to push back. They've, they split the season series with the Dodgers. You know, they just split a series against Atlanta. So if they're not as good as, then what are they if they split those series? Here's the thing that's interesting, and here's what I love about some of the, the pessimistic Cubs fans. They're mad because Bodie's not starting every time. They're mad because, you know, they don't have a set lineup. They're mad because Madden, you know, continues to mix around the lineup. Why is he doing that? He's doing that to keep people fresh. Just to prove your point, keep people fresh. He's doing that so everybody has an opportunity to have their days off, to to you know get get a breather, to know when they're going to be able to uh, to relax, recuperate those muscles. I mean, the end of last year was was a, was an anomaly with all the rain and snow makeup dates that had to be put put in there. They had so many days in a row. It's it's no excuse. I mean, you're either going to win or you're not going to win. The Cubs did not go on a tear when they should have went on a tear. Whereas the, the Brewers went on a tear and and uh, and they they got the best of uh, of the team in that last weekend. So for me, it's 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 a conundrum because you you know teams you know you want your team to line up to be set and you want the right players to be playing, but what Madden's doing right now is trying to prove like prove your point. He wants to keep people fresh and 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 if I look at the first half score because we are the all the All Star break is a little bit beyond. Um, halfway through the season, a couple weeks beyond halfway through the season. We are right now at the midway point of the season, and I would give this team um, an A- minus because they're leading their division, and they've had a number of issues. They lost John Lester. They overcame a 2-7 and seven start. Right now they're without Kyle Hendricks. They are without a closer for every, pretty much the entire season until just now. You know, So they've overcome a great deal. Um, and, and what I like about this Cubs team, and yes, get on me for being the eternal optimist and get on me for just being so Pollyanna, rose-colored glasses, but what I'll say is this team is leading a very tough central division, has split against some very good teams, and guess what? They haven't gone on a run yet. So when this team gets hot, and you and I both know this team is going to go on a run and get hot, look out. Well, I think you uh, make some good points in there, and I, I you know, agree with some of what you're saying. But at the same time, at the end of the day, uh, I don't know if I can give them an A- minus per se. I'll give them a solid B. They're, they're leading think... their division. I mean, do you want them to go undefeated? Because I don't – I mean, I'm, I'm not, to get, not, not to get super This team should be here, better but... than they are. This team well, should I... be better than they are. I think, I think that's fair. That is so fair they, to say. They, they split the season series against the Dodgers. 
So they should have swept the Dodgers. The Dodgers are the best team in baseball. I think when you're looking at a seven-game series, the Cubs don't match up well. I mean, listen, they played better against Milwaukee last year. They played better against the Rockies yeah. last year, and it didn't it, it didn't come to fruition. I mean, listen, you know as well as I do, a seven-game series is different than a regular season series. And I don't think when push comes to shove right now, this team has the makeup to win a World Series championship. And listen, I hope they prove me wrong. I want them to prove they, me wrong. They don't have to win a World Series championship in June. And that's the point I'm trying to say. We should not be living and dying with each win and each loss because it's a cumulative effort. And right now, if you could say we're midway through the season and this, they're leading the division, they're beating what it was a pretty stacked offensive lineup with the Brewers, and they're in first place at the midway point, I think that's a win. And I think the fact they haven't gone on a tear yet, that gives me a lot of hope for the future. Awesome stuff. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this edition of the Friendly Confines. For Chad, I am Ryan. We appreciate it as always, folks. We'll talk to you next time on the Friendly Confines. Take care. See you at the ballpark, everybody. just a game for I've seen other teams and it's never the same when you're born in Chicago you're blessed and you're a field the first time you walk into Wrigley